Welcome to Doxa Podcast. My name is Austin Glines. And today I'm going to be having a conversation with my friend Jonathan Brackens as we discuss how to interpret when Jesus identifies himself with and as the God of Israel. So we have opposing views on this. However, this is not a debate. This is simply a conversation to gain a better understanding. So if you're looking for straight up answers, I think we both say at some point in this, we don't have them all. But we are doing our best to interpret and decipher what God is speaking to us through his scriptures and through the power and wisdom of the Holy Spirit. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with my good friend, Jonathan Brackens. What is up, everyone? Can't wait for this conversation. I simply met Jonathan here on social media and simply because we had a conversation that I was not called names and it was productive and we had opposing viewpoints. I was like, this guy deserves to be on a podcast. So Jonathan, tell us about yourself, man, because that alone makes you different than 98% of people on the internet. Well, uh, hello, everyone. I'm Jonathan Brackens. I um, come from five generations of preachers on my mother's side and six generations on my father's. Uh, I uh, pastor Shekinah Glory Church. That's the name of it. We're changing the name. Uh, That's based in Midland, Texas. Um, I have been preaching since I was 13 years old. Um, and, uh, it's been a lifelong journey, uh, with me and Jesus and studying this thing we call the, the Holy Scriptures. Uh, currently I'm finishing my last, um, year of law school. Um, it's, um, it, it, in my walk with the Lord, um, I, uh, was consistently crying out, Lord, send me to the nations of the world to preach, because that's what I want to do. Go to the nations and preach. Go to the nations and preach. Be an evangelist. And uh, he assured me, yes, you'll do that. But uh, as time progressed, I I had no invitation. So uh, I asked him what's going on. And his response to me was simply, go to law school. And uh, that didn't sound like go to the nations. It sounded like go to the law law school. And um, it was in civil procedure class that I realized civil procedure is uh, the the rules of civil procedure, how a civil case, at least in federal court, proceeds from beginning to end. And uh, civil procedure let us know that there are two elements of the law, personal jurisdiction, and subject matter jurisdiction. Personal jurisdiction is the ent- is the entity's statutory right to call a person to come before the entity to be answerable to them and their laws. Subject matter jurisdiction is the thing that is proscribed. They think they cannot do or the thing it says they can do. And it was in realizing that and then the Lord nudging me to say, go back to look at the uh, to Moses to identify the personal jurisdictional statements in the law. When I went back to look at the personal jurisdictions of those jurisdictional statements, I realized that the Gentile Christian was not involved in that. It said, say to the children of Israel and the resident alien. They were given the law. They were told to follow that law. 
It did not cover the, the Gentile Christian. So it started a, a intense research that I've been doing that hopefully I'll get published here uh, this year, where we dissect what it means to follow uh, or to respect the law, uh, Mosaic law in that case. So that's me. That's what I've been doing. <laughs> Thank you for the opportunity to be on the podcast. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, so let's just hop right in. So we mm-hmm. met each other through, you You found one of my videos on Instagram and really the second one, second kind of conversation we had over the comments I want to hop into. Mm-hmm. So it was, so pretty much, so we, I can get a ba- we can get a baseline understanding. Can I, so you questioned about, so if the Bible, specifically the Old Testament, is the genre of Jewish meditation literature, and it was written to a people in a culture, why would we, would us as, gen, most of us as Gentile Christians, if you're a Jewish Christian, congratulations, you get both. Um <laughs> <laughs> um congratulations this but, um, i don't know how it did they they have it tough they have it tough uh they have it tough we can discuss that a little later because it yeah no it's, we definitely it's, will. it's it's i don't know how they i don't know how they reconcile their scripture in jesus at the i did they have it tough but let's yeah anyway yeah no nah, which that's what I, so just to let you know that's kind of my main focus so i went the get a masters to see if my i was in pretty much the main scholars that inspired me to do that was nt wright tim mackey and then scholars that i found after have continue to drive me on this journey but so pretty much about what i was saying so latest conversation when you went back and forth on was us as gentile christians are we obligated to acknowledge the Old Testament as holy scripture? Of course, it's not going to, I'll just start off. Of course, it's not going to apply the same way because the revelation of Jesus gives us a new perspective. But I'll, I'll let you go and then I'll, I'll, I'll see where we're at. How close okay. we are. Well, uh, uh, my my can the issue I raised, if I if I can if I word it, it, it to my understanding, is that when you said um, when when you said you were going to take us through every scripture starting from Genesis, right? You're going to walk us through, and you're going to use this this uh, uh, how did you call it? it? Was Jewish some interpretive meditation, meditation right? Yeah. I'm saying. That should be an indication to the people who are not Jewish that the thing we're about to enter is not theirs. Right. And and let's be clear, we have a, a litany of scriptures. Exodus 19, 3, 7, Leviticus 4, 2, 18, 2, 26, 22. That is chapter 20, verse 2. Deuteronomy 1. I'll Throw this in the chat so that you know it can for people who need to uh, reference it. Uh, uh, you can put in some comment, but Deuteronomy one one four one five one through three. There's about thirty one of these that say that let us know. It says, "Say to the children of Israel, 
And then it tells us, like if we just look up Leviticus 18, 2 and 26, if we just look that scripture up, uh, uh, we're going to find that it gives us a clear indication. No one has to do any gyrations in the text. Is there a particular version of the Bible you like to, to read? No, I mean, personally, I stick with the... <clears throat> New American Standard in the SV, but I also know Hebrew, so I'm also mostly in that. So all right, New American Standard, yeah, or the um, yeah, or the English Standard Version. I mean, or the NIV. I mean, those are my three okay. main ones. I know I okay. generally lean to. Out of curiosity, which do you lean to? Well, because I read the Greek and the Hebrew, more Greek than Hebrew, I must admit. Uh, um. I, I now lean toward the new Revised Standard Version. Uh, uh, I know uh, because it's it's when I read the Greek alone, it's usually I usually come up with a translation that agrees with with their translation. Uh, but if we look at Leviticus eighteen, verse two, it says, "Speak to the Israelites and say." This is NIV. Speak okay. to the Israelites and say to them. I am the Lord, your God. That's verse two. Verse 26. All the way down here says, but you, who's you? It's the children of Israel he referenced in verse two. But you must keep my decrees and laws. The native born and the foreigners residing among you must not do any of these detestable things. So. If we read 18.2 and 26, those are personal jurisdictional statements of the law, because we can't look at Leviticus and say it's not the law. The Torah is the Genesis, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Leviticus. I didn't do it in order, but uh, uh, that's the Torah. It's law. It has two elements, personal jurisdiction, subject matter jurisdiction. The personal jurisdictional statements verse 2 and 26. It is clearly the children of Israel and the foreigners residing among you, who the children of Israel, in Israeli territory, there, that's, that's where they are, who must keep these things. So the Gentile Christian is neither the children of Israel, an Israelite, nor are there foreigners living in Israel or Israeli territory. So, as we approach the law, the Torah, and try to expatiate, expatiate, excuse me, we are in someone else's law. We are in somebody else's document, and it clearly states to us it's not. If we're not in this category, we are not beholden to it. it. It should be an indication to us that we need to let it go or we need to respect its limits. It, 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 it seems like we've, it's because, of, be, you know, when we're Christian, when we're saved, we get, you know, we, we feel that desire to love the Lord and, and we give our heart to him and say, you're Lord, and, 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 and we feel good. And then somewhere along the line, we're given a book called the Bible. And the Hebrew Bible is coupled with the New Testament scriptures. We don't question, how did this 
anthology come to be for me? We're just given a set of books. It's just an assumption we have been passing on uh, uh, for for uh, for years, hundreds of years. So I'm going to shut up uh, real quick and and get your response. No, you're I th so. I guess we can start just so I can see how close we are. Did the Old Testament scriptures and so at least teach us about the character of God? Well, it depends on who you ask, because to the people who the Hebrew Bible, I don't call it the Old Testament because it was <clears throat> a bishop of, I forgot, is a Turkish <clears throat> uh, 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 city uh, uh, in what I think uh, the second century that named it the Old Testament for the first time. So I don't call it the Old Testament because it's not an Old Testament. It was the Hebrew Bible or the Tanakh before Christians got a hold of it. So, so the Hebrew, the Hebrew, if you ask a Jew, <laughs> right? If you ask a Jew, especially an Orthodox Jew, whether the God of the New Testament and the God of their Bible are the same, they will respond to you, no. So it depends on who you ask. Now, I, I, I am, I, I sort of have a difficulty divorcing Jesus' statement where he says, your fathers ate uh, 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 manna, In the right? Right? Your father's like man in the wilderness. Right. He says, hey, if you eat of me, he said he tells he tells them in that scripture that he is the bread of life. Uh, he tells them that he doesn't say which scriptures, but he tells them that scriptures speak of me. Right. So there's something in there that would elucidate who we believe God is. But to the Gentile Christian, however, let's be clear, this text wasn't given to us. And let's let's also be clear, the New Testament scriptures are enough for us to know who God is. Jesus lets us know in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus states, when you see, you know, when he's telling uh, 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 Thomas says, oh, show us the father. He says, wait, when you see me, you see the father. So whatever Thomas knew as a, as a Jew, Whatever the disciples knew as a Jew did not prepare them to understand who Jesus's father was because they didn't know him according to this, according to what Jesus, what the scripture says, Jesus said. And he said, when you see me, you see the father. So seeing Jesus should be enough for us. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I mean, yeah, that's never my goal to say that you must like baseline is always believe in Jesus, that he's the Lord, that he rose from the grave. And that he's king of the world. And then, you know, that's that's it. How however, kind of like you said, I I don't think we can divorce it. You can't. You can't take the Jew out of Jesus. 
is what I tell people. That. Sure. <laughs> oh my God. I gotta, I gotta write that one down. <laughs> <laughs> that, that he wasn't, for one, he wasn't white. Don't, so let, let's get that. He wasn't white. He was, he was caramel. Our boy was caramel, a light caramel, maybe, and, or dark, depending. On, I mean, he was in the sun a lot, so he's probably dark caramel. Had raggedy hair. It wasn't the nice flowing locks. It was, it was, yeah, it was raggedy. I mean, any, if you've met someone actually from the Middle East, you would, you can get a good picture. Mm-hmm. And so, and that, so, yeah, that's what I always have to tell people that the Bible is a, cultural exploration because it was written i mean old testament was written over two i mean three thousand we could even go possibly three i mean depending on who you're talking to the beginnings of the writings could have been almost four thousand years ago three four thousand years ago don't quote me on that anyone um but it's around there and then or no you can quote me on that it is three to four thousand and then for the New Testament, you know, starts right around, if we want to be really, really specific, 1,900 and depending on who you're talking to, 80 years ago or 1,950 years ago, depending on who you're talking to. So we have to realize the worldview that is presented is not always going to equal to our own. And the facts and the knowledge and how the original audience received this, we can't just say, okay, at face value, this is what this means and never even think about, okay, well, how would 2,000 years ago across the world for most of us, would have this been received? Does that make sense? It does make, your statement does make sense. So what, what do you, you got anything to add to that? Well, it's it's be, Christians. I believe our theology places the cart before the horse because I, your statement. If we look to with your statement, you said you can't take the Jew out of Jesus, which is a which is a beautiful statement, right? But neither, but Jesus did not impose the Jew upon the Gentile. So while while I agree that Jesus is Jewish, his statements were that come that that tell us or give us the invitation to believe in him were not contingent or, or there was no even explicit statement upon the Gentile somehow peering into the scriptures, the, the Hebrew scriptures, because he said, again, whosoever believeth in me, he didn't say that they knew the Hebrew scriptures. He didn't say the person who believes that the scriptures spoke of me. He said, if you believe in me, he says, I am the vine. You are the branches. He tells us to abide in him. Um, at no, He said, my words, if you abide in me and my, that's very narrow here. My words abide in you. His, the Hebrew Bible is unequivocally not Jesus's words. So abiding in Jesus is contingent. He made a what we would call a condition precedent, the condition that must be met prior to abiding. 
His words must be in you and reside in you. And then you're going to be in him. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, there's the if. Right? Right. And so since the Hebrew scriptures are not his words, right, we must ask, why, why do we even possess them? Because if you read, I mean, I threw out 31 scriptures in the chat, though, but if you read these scriptures, we're excluded. The Gentile Christian is completely excluded from this text. And if we read the statements of the church fathers and even Martin Luther, our reformer, we understand how we came into possession of the Hebrew Bible, and it is under some horrible conditions, some horrible anti-Semitic conditions. Simply because we were handed a, a group of books compiled together doesn't mean that our possession of those books were rightful. We don't question our possession. I don't know why we don't, but we don't question our possession. Okay, can you, I've read lately on it, and I know, I mean, mainly the point I always read from it is that the Hebrew Bible is historically accurate and reliable because the going all the way to the Talmud of how to, how they were recorded and the how the Masoretes recorded it were very, very strict. So, I mean, I just know that there's no degrading over time, pretty much right. is what I know. that Pretty much I know the reliability of the scriptures we hold today. Yeah. So, but go from that because, so I don't know if you got to see, I mean, I mentioned it to you, I think. I talked to an Orthodox, I don't know if I mentioned that he was Orthodox, but, but he was an Orthodox Jewish rabbi right. here in Mobile. And there was a little, like, it was very, I mean, for me, it was amazing because I love, if anything, I will always be a observer and a very fond of Judaism. Mm -hmm. Because again, I think to, here, to, the New Testament gives us everything we need. Mm. But to get a depth that like pretty much if you, it's not anything like you have to do. But I love to see where Jesus, when Jesus claims to be, I am. I want to know who the heck I am is. So <laughs> that is why I love the Hebrew scriptures is because I want to know who Jesus is saying. You see him? Well, that's me. And you see me? Well, that's him. I want to know. I want to know what that means. Does that make sense? That makes sense. But I want to say something very colloquially. Uh, you know, the. You know, the. And here's why I say that, <laughs> because who was he talking to when he said before Abraham was I am? He was talking, I mean, most of his earth. Jewish people, right? Well, more specifically, Pharisees. Yep, Pharisees. Yep. Right? Because they are questioning him on the legitimacy of his of his uh, uh, claims and interpretations of the scripture. And he said they questioned and they said, we, you know, we're of our father Abraham. What what are you what are you talking about? And Jesus calls him them on it and says, listen. Before Abraham was, I am. 
So he's having a conversation among his fellow Jews, more specifically those who study uh, and are strict observers, observers of the law. Uh, and, and they are questioning his claims based upon their understanding of their law that applies to both Jesus as a Jew and, and the Pharisee uh, 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 as a Jew. Now, if, if we're saying, I want to know, right? I want to know who that I am is. That's a beautiful, and it's hard to stop it, stop that statement and say, mm, Lord, he just wants to know you. That's beautiful. He just wants to know you. He just wants to know what that means. But Jesus didn't point us. First of all, the conversation wouldn't implicate a Gentile anyway, because the Gentile was not introduced to did not know nor have reason to know who I am was. Because if Jesus was before Abraham, then whoever we see as Jesus now speaking, saying that he's before Abraham, he's still that same person. So why would we need to know his referent to know him better? Because what he, what he showed us was who he is or was. Matter of fact, if we look in John 16, uh, verse 13, it tells us that we wouldn't know truth or know the Father sayings or get what the Father has or, or understand the things that Jesus didn't have time to tell us. By reading into the Hebrew Bible, he said, but when he, the spirit of truth comes. He, who? The spirit of truth will guide you into all, not some, not a little bit, right? Not, not, not a specific little narrow uh, uh, a segment, but he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. Hears is in the in the, uh, the Greek word is in the present active, meaning he's not going to tell you what he heard. He's going to tell you what he's hearing, uh, hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine. Understand the possessive what is mine and making it known to you. So we're sitting here looking backwards, looking into a text that has been preserved through an immaculate oral tradition, trying to figure out what Jesus, who Jesus is. And that's not what, that's not the method he told you you were gonna discover him in. He said, I gotta go. And if I go, I'll send you a comforter. He's the spirit of truth. And so he it's the scripture's clear how we're going to know truth and where it's going to come from. And at no time did he say it would come from the scriptures. And at the time, the scriptures were the Hebrew Bible. So it's beautiful. I, I hear you've got some great statements here. I, I tell you, you got some great and the, the, your wording is beautiful here. I, you can tell you have a desire to know God. You want to know him. If we can quote the scripture in the power of his resurrection 
and the fellowship of his suffering, right? You want to know, you can tell, you can watch your, your, your videos on IG and even by your pronunciation, you can tell the passion you have to know the Lord. So, so it's hard for me to even see that somebody who, who, who is, it obviously loves the Lord, obviously wants to know him to say anything that would sort of neuter or prune their exploration. But the problem is if we keep looking back to understand who Jesus is, how will we have time to, to receive what Jesus is saying now? what the spirit is supposed to be revealing to us now. Again, it says he will speak only what he hears, present active, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is taking, from taking active, taking from what is mine and making it active, known to you. Yeah. No, and kind of where I'd go with that is I would fully agree, except. There you go, right? Yep, except with when Jesus claims to be a part of the identity of the Father, when he claims that he is, I am him and he is me, when he, when he, binds himself to that his resurrection gives and the holy spirit the spirit of power gives us a new light so if i was reading it without looking to the hope of what jesus would do in my life and what jesus would do for all humanity then that'd be an issue if i wasn't reading it through his light because i mean if we go to i mean what like the Old Testament scriptures. If I'm reading the Old Testament scriptures, if I'm reading the Hebrew Bible or in any part of it from the Torah to the prophets, and I'm not looking for, okay, what does the light in the revelation of Jesus say pretty much revealing this, then yeah, I'm cutting, I'm cutting off that ex like I'm not getting what i'm not read i'm not reading it the way that jesus i believe told us to understand the scriptures because like jeremiah i mean the main critique that rabbi stephen had on christianity is a lot of verses like let's just take ezekiel the valley of dry bones i've just blanked on the chapter yeah. That in the present context for Ezekiel and how the how Jewish rabbis today and throughout all history have understood that for the most part is the resurrection of their nation and the rebuilding of their nation. However, the light of the Holy Spirit and the in the revelation of Jesus. I think reveals that it had a double meaning that God was intending to set up for. Because really, even today, when you look at God's promises to Israel, they aren't complete. 
So if Adonai is a liar, then cool. I mean, if I mean, if you just think he cut off and his love ran out because Israel screwed up way too many times, then all right. But when I asked the rabbi this, he was he said their existence, pretty much that they should have been dead by now, practically, because you know horrible things that Nero did to the Jewish people to Hitler. I mean, just all throughout history, they've been the most persecuted relative to their size, I guess I would say. Pretty much with how small of population they are of the world and have always been. They've never been this huge nation, except you could argue during the times where we have very little recording of the times of David and Solomon, because they were the powerhouse, so they got the right to history. In during that time, there wasn't many other foes to them at the time, so they got the right their own history without much, which there was, especially during the kingdom of David. But I guess I'm getting on a rabbit trail there. But what I'm trying to say is that I think when G- that Jesus gave us a new perspective, and if we look through that perspective, the Old Testament does reveal things that Jesus eventually does come and do. Like, we can see it, and Jesus does reveal it in the New Testament, and we can... Jesus was the revelation in the living out of what everything the Old Testament wrote out for us, and the fulfillment of it all. I mean, and... So, does that all make sense? I went... I make make sense. It makes sense of what... What you're saying makes sense, but it comes from what is called the type and shadow hermeneutic. Right. Where you are trained to read into the Hebrew Bible something about Jesus, not that the Hebrew Bible says the name Jesus, not that the Hebrew Bible calls him the, the Nazarene coming from the Virgin Mary. The Hebrew Bible does not mention Jesus at all. Does it use the name Jesus at all? It's not there. So you said a couple of things. And so, so it, out of respect and not just interrupting you, right? I was taking notes. So I would say you, you said, uh, so I could bring it up. Uh, you said that somehow the spirit, the Holy Spirit gives uh, light and new revelation to the Hebrew Bible. But I, I have to ask, where did, where did the scripture say that's what the Holy Spirit would do? He, he said he would take what is mine. He didn't say he would expatiate the Hebrew Bible. He said he would take what is mine. You know, you, you, you said that, that, you know, when we talk about Ezekiel, like in 37, uh, that talks about the Valley of dry bones, you said, uh, uh, that God uh, uh, gives a there's a there's like a new meaning uh, through a Christian view. And, and I have to I wrote the question down. What gives you the indication that God required the Gentile to find new meaning in the Hebrew Bible? If I mean, the litany of scriptures that I posted in the chat there, right, go one after one, just just clearly that. The Hebrew Bible was addressed to, given to the children of Israel, and where it created commandments, it told the children of Israel to obey it and the resident alien in Israel. So, and since Jesus didn't say that the Spirit would reveal to you 
my meaning, my words, the truth through revealing it through the Hebrew Bible, there's one step missing between the existence of the Hebrew Bible, the Tanakh, as as the Jewish uh, the uh, the Jewish scripture, and the Christian Gentile exploration of that text. That is, who licensed the possession of that text, and who stated that the Gentile Christian was supposed to read meaning into it. If our focus is Christ, given our name, Christian, then what? I can't get a preacher. I can't get a a a seminarian. I can't get a a religious professor. I can't I can't get anyone to answer. What made you think we were supposed to have that text and read that text and then say, well, that text means X, Y, and Z. It wasn't given to us. And and <laughs> I mean, and, uh, you know, 31 of these scriptures, just just a sample of them. Let us know it wasn't given to us. And then again, as, as I reiterate, Jesus never, ever, 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 not in any of the four counts, tells us, tells the Gentile Christian or anyone else at that matter, that they need to read those scriptures in order to get a better revelation of him. I mean... How clear can it get? When you see me, you see the Father. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man cometh to the Father except by me. So I, I don't know how much more clear that could be. So the question then becomes, where do we get the idea that we were supposed to possess this text? And where do we get the idea that we're supposed to even extract meaning from that text when the text clearly says it's not ours? Oh, no, that totally makes sense. So I guess what I want to ask for you is, if the, the Hebrew Bible is God's words and is the word and throughout it, you know, you have almost two other characters in the Hebrew Bible that are God, but act outside of God, which is God's wisdom. And then a few, that's kind of the main easiest one to see. And then the word of God. And then the, you know, you get the angel of God as well, but I'm going to put, put focus on the wisdom of God and the word of God. And then we go to John chapter one. What do we make of that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning through him. All things were made. Nothing that has been was made was not made. Yeah, nothing that has been made was made without him. Mm-hmm. That's, so what would we make sense of John's interpretation of Jesus being God's word? Well, if, for, go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, no, sorry, I was I took a So yeah, so if the Hebrew Bible is God's words to Israel, and if Jesus is God's word, how do we div- not divorce because we do agree that there is some continue continuity in between the two. There is some connection that we have to make, but 
if I'm understanding you correctly, but how do we not almost, I'm calling for a full integration almost that I'm saying they are useful. They do tell us things about Jesus. And you're saying, no, everything that we need is in the revelation that Jesus instructed us all found in him and in the new Testament scriptures. So how do we separate the God's words of old and God's words of the new Testament? Does that make sense? That that makes sense. But I'm going to use the phrase that you said earlier, you said, which by the way, at some point, you're gonna have to do some kind of book of your phrases. Uh, you, you, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, you worded better than me in, 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 in too many cases. Anyway, um, you said if the Hebrew Bible is God's word to Israel, and Jesus is the word of God, how do we? And then you were, you were saying divorce, and then you sort of paused, right? Because you didn't. You, you 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 were trying to figure out how to how to word how to word that. So I'll go back to your first iteration. It's clear how you separate them. First, it's God's word to Israel. So we live in a culture where we don't mind our business. Now I'll be the first to repent because I'm nosy. If I hear people talk, I'll be quiet. <laughs> I'm nosy. I've been nosy. I'm the last of six children. I'm the baby. I have made a life around listening to what other people are saying about other people. I'm nosy. I get it. And I have to, I have to, in many cases, mind my business. But you, you already stated what the delineation was. It is God's word to Israel. And guess what? They never gave us their their scripture. They never licensed uh, our use of it. As a matter of fact, the Babylonian Talmud states in um, uh, uh, Sanhedrin 59a, according to the one who says that the verse is referring to the Torah as an inheritance, the prohibition is included in the prohibition of robbery. As a Gentile who studies Torah, robs the Jewish people of it. According to the one who says that the verse is referring to the Torah as betrothed, this, uh, uh, as the spelling of the Hebrew word betrothed is similar to the word Inheritance, the punishment of a Gentile who studies Torah is like that of one who engages intercourse with a betrothed young woman, which is execution by uh, stoning. The Babylonian Talmud tells us further that a Gentile who engages the Torah study is liable to receive the death penalty. Again, Sanhedrin 59a that I'm reading from, as it is stated, Moses commanded us a law, Torah, an inheritance of the congregation of Jacob, Deuteronomy 33:4, indicating that it is an inheritance for us, not for them. So we have, not have to, I, I, the law, I'm going to say the law, that Torah makes it clear that it is not ours. It is not our inheritance. It is not for us. And as you stated in your first iteration, it is a word that God gave them. So if, if we 
respect the Torah, if we respect the Hebrew Bible, if we respect what it says, it makes it clear it's not for the Gentile, Gentile Christian especially. And to John, I love John, John chapter one, but that word word is not word like we know it. It's logos, right? Which means the intellect, the knowledge, the rationale of God. So to 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 so if we if we don't sort of conflate the word word, but we use the word word in its Greek meaning, it just says in the beginning was God's rationale, his intellect, and his knowledge. And that rationale, intellect, and knowledge was with God. And that rationale and intellect and knowledge was God. So it's, so, so we, it, the text makes it clear. It's not the same. Even if God spoke the word, let's not say if, I believe God spoke the word to Israel, he spoke it to them. He didn't speak it to us. And that's okay because who do we have? We have Jesus. And who did he tell us we would learn more of him from? The spirit of truth. Not even the New Testament scriptures. He didn't even say, you would know me by what they write of me. Right. I mean, yeah, because I couldn't, until what? I mean, five I mean, I don't even know when papers, books started <laughs> being in everybody's hands. I mean, we can thank, you know, Martin Luther for <laughs> that. I mean, I've, but I mean, even after him, I mean, I don't still think everyone had paper books just filling up their libraries either. So I mean, Right. It was the was, Gutenberg Press in the, what, 15th yeah. century that started uh, uh, allowing uh, a mass production of the same type of text and that that text being starting to become in the uh, going into the hands of laity instead of exclusively clergy. Right. So yeah, I, I forgot the timeline on that. I knew it was Gutenberg. I just forgot what, what year he was. So thank you. Yes, that was, that was what I was looking for. But um, no, that's all. Uh, I was wondering where you, if you'd go the Greek way of that Logos. That was that's really good. I was I was letting you. I wasn't gonna take that from you. I was gonna let, Thank I was you, gonna let you take it because I knew I knew I knew the opposite stance of what I was saying. I just wanted to know how deep you'd go into it. But you you covered all the bases on there, so that was that was good. That I'm was glad good. I passed the sniff test. That was good. I was I was wondering if that was the route you're going for. So that was that was really good. Um, yeah, that was beautiful. You. By the way, you you word things beautifully, so I don't know why you're trying to. Yeah, you and you're like you just have a great sounding voice. I'm very jealous of your voice. I but, I, I think it's uh, I don't know about my wording, but uh, the voice, the cadence. I think it's just been generations of preachers. I think that's what that is. <laughs> I think that's just what it is. I was uh, uh, I was doing a case on uh, I was doing a, a case on. Uh, terminating the parental rights for a Native American child, which is very much difficult uh, uh, because of the, they are Native American. There's a different standard to terminating parental rights of a Native American child. And, and uh, as, I'm, as I'm 
as I'm delivering the the uh, arguments uh, to the court, uh, Judge Moniz, uh, uh, the, the the my colleagues just sort of got quiet. And it was like two weeks later, I was in class and and one of these this guys said, how you doing, Reverend? And I said, what are you talking about? Because I don't tell people I'm a preacher. I don't, I, that, that just usually puts them off. And he yeah, said- Yeah, I'm glad I'm not a pastor anymore because that always <laughs> put people off. Being a part of a publishing company is a much easier job to tell people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, somehow I, I moved from, from you know, associating as a as a pastor and a minister to uh, a lawyer, so I don't know if I get out of the stigma because people think <laughs> works of both groups. But anyway, it is uh, what it is. Uh, um, but anyhow, so we have a tough we have a tough road to to traverse because, if I may, I want to take you to our reformer, Martin Luther. Right. Who who because you're apparently Protestant. If I got yeah. that correct. <laughs> yeah. And so our reformer, Martin Luther, says in his book, by the way, uh, Amazon won't even carry the book. It's so horrible. But in Martin Luther's book called On the Jews and Their Lies. Martin Luther proposes that for the safety of the Protestant soul, he says, second, well, the, for his first point was, you need to burn all their synagogues now. Oh, well, that's not good. Then his second point was, he said, second, that all their, the Jews, books, their prayer books, their Talmudic writings, also the entire Bible be taken from them. Do you, our church fathers, Barnabas, chapter 14, he argues that from uh, chapter 14, verses 4, uh, uh, on down to, we'll say, uh, 7, he argues, and it's, it's shameful, he argues that be, when... Uh, Israel started to worship the golden calf. Let me just pull that up real quick, because I, I don't want to, I don't, when I summarize that, I want to summarize that as accurately as possible. Uh, he, he tells us that, that when Israel begins to worship the golden calf, that resulted in the forfeiture of the Jewish people's possessory right to the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, and memorialized covenants, that it transferred those rights to Jesus, and Jesus' death bequeathed the Tanakh, its covenants, and non-punitive law to the Gentile Christian. Again, uh, Barnabas, that's uh, the epistle of Barnabas, chapter 14, verses 4 through Five. So Moses received it, as I'm reading from the church fathers, but they were not worthy. But how did we receive it? Learn! Exclamation point. Moses received it as a servant, but the Lord himself gave it to us so that we might become the people of inheritance by suffering for us. And he was made manifest in order that they might 
fulfill up the measure of their sin, and we might receive the covenant through the Lord Jesus who inherited it, who was prepared for this purpose in order that by appearing in the person and redeeming from darkness our hearts, which had already been paid over to death, uh, and given over to lawlessness of error, he might establish a covenant in us by his word. Uh, uh, Justin, in his apology, in his first apology, makes a similar argument that the Jews forfeited through their hiding and their actions and their, and their idolatry, forfeited their right to their scriptures, and now he calls them, they're our scriptures now. So whether we, you go from the church fathers uh, uh, in the first, late first and early second century, or we go to Martin Luther during the Reformation, we harbor a anti-Semitic view and a non-scriptural view that somehow makes us entitled to their text when their text tells us who it belongs to and it's not ours. So it's hard for me to believe that we possess their text rightfully when their text, whether it's just, whether it's the Torah, whether it's the Tanakh or whether it's that Talmud, tells us it's not ours, tells us it's not ours. And our church fathers and reformers in pure anti-Semitic form just says, take it from them. They forfeited it because they didn't, because they were in idolatry. Justin says it's their fair punishment. Even Luther says it's their fair punishment for crucifying Jesus. This is horrible. But when we get saved and we say, I love Jesus, I love the Lord, I wanna, we say, okay, you gotta learn the word of God. And then what do we do? We hand them 66 books, which 59% of it belong to the Jew, not the Christian Gentile. Okay, so you segued away a little bit. So kind of what I've been thinking through the whole time. So this is kind of the next little part. I'm excited about this part because, you know, <laughs> I can say, yeah, no, I love these conversations. They're, they're a blast. So what do you say when we have people like Paul mm. who say phrases like in, I'm going to read out the ESV, but Romans chapter 11. Mm. And then we'll start in verse, I'm looking, it's in the chunk of 11 through 24. I'm looking kind of for the meat of it to get the, just kind of get the phrase because the context just leads us there. So I promise I'm not going to pull something out of context here. And if I do, you can tell me because um, I'm, I'm always open to be wrong. Um, so let's go, we'll start, let's see, trespass the word. No. Okay, we'll go here. So we'll go chapter, Romans chapter 11, yep, 11, verse 17. But if some of the branches were broken off, and although a wild olive shoot were, and yeah, although a wild olive shoot were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant towards the branches. If you are, if you remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. 
That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you. Provided you continue, provided you continue in his kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off. So my understanding of this of Paul's theology just kind of represents it. And then in other places when he, we can, where pretty much he is connecting us and grafted, added to the Jewish people that we are brought into now the family of God, which that doesn't mean we have to be ethnic Jews or even practicing Jews as we learn in Galatians and first, yeah, it's first Corinthians where he, muses on that a little bit but and then other places where he's in the council and i see it wherever you want to go we we know we don't gotta be jews <laughs> but just wherever you go we we know that that is that is clear everyone and their mama after the first meeting in jerusalem were we're clear on that the council of jerusalem made that clear everyone else made it clear however the engrafted showing that we were added later to the family of God, that Jesus brought us in who did not, who were not at first chosen by God. Because how I see the Old Testament is God is human, starting in Genesis, humanity fails. It's a human story. That's what Genesis one through three sets up that God created the entire world. That Adonai created the entire world, all of it, the universe. If there's aliens, he created them too. Okay. Just he created it all. And humanity fails. So he chooses the line of Seth to be the redemptive line. That it's not, okay, now let's skip the Jesus there. It's, okay, now let's see what God's going to do here. And he chooses the line of Seth. And we see the story that begins with Seth to become the story of the Jewish people with Abraham. And then specifically, we really get in and then Moses. And then they're established as a nation. They're used as a vehicle because it starts as a human story in Genesis. It isn't Adam, who was a Jew from the very beginning of his life. And God said, mm -hmm. you're Jew. No, it was a huge. Adam was a human, which is the word that, so that's, I'm not going to, yep, Adam means human, right? from the word Adama from the ground, <laughs> human, <laughs> homeboy was human. All right, don't from, preach, don't preach. He, he's from the dirt. Okay. Human, that's all that means. It, it ain't gender, it ain't crap. It, it, it's, he's, he's human. Then we get Eve. They're both humans now. We get we get two humans. Great. They mess up. And now God begins a redemptive story, starting with Genesis 3:15, when God says, And serpent, because you have done this, I will set enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and 
you will strike his heel. Now, many people, believe it or not, the original language has a singular and a plural. I know, I know that's, I know that's interesting sometimes, but um, if I'm not mistaken, the offspring was not plural and the C, or at least I know for a fact, no, yeah, because technically I will set between your seed and hers. And I, let me double check this, but while I'm talking, but the point is it was a singular noun, if I'm not mistaken, in Genesis 3.15, which I'm pulling up right now. So if I'm wrong, I'll tell you I'm wrong because I'm going to look at it right here. So let's see. Let's go. Genesis 3. Do you know if I'm wrong or do you not know that off the top of your head? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I okay. have to go back to look at it uh, cool. because I believe I the making... seed is plural. Oh, it is plural. Okay, it is plural. So okay. I think seed is the, I think it's the collective noun. You do th okay. So he and so so that. I believe that's the that's the plural one, and he is the singular. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that is okay. Yep. That's I mix those two up between. And then offspring between your offspring. Let's look. Offspring, zera seed noun come. So zera is the noun, and that's the singular. Used. Oh. So, yeah, Zara, singular, it's noun, singular construct. It's, yeah, it's common point. noun, singular point. construct, and then the he is just the who, which is also singular. Yeah, that's third person. The he is third per person singular. And then Zara is a singular construct. construct. So... And then I'm even going to look here just to make sure that I'm not wrong here. So, so it is used for descendants as well. I will give it that, that there are, mm -hmm. I'm looking, there's some verses, but like their seed, another offspring, they're, they're switched out. So you could go either way here. Right. It's, I'm looking at a couple verses, Genesis 13, 16, um, your, when he's talking to Abraham, your offspring will also be counted at, like the stars. Um, but then you have where God appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel for Cain killed him. So that's singular. singular. So, it flip, so it flips back and forth. But so back the, to get to the point here. So God chooses a redemptive line. And however, this redemptive line, we get to the end of the Hebrew scriptures. And they are unfulfilled. We get to the end and the anointed one has not come. Israel is not a light to the nations. They continually fail over and over. Good God. And it ends on a message of hope, though. Never is this hope lost. Kind of uh, the last bit. And God's grace doesn't run out either. So it's not like we get to the end, they fail, and God says, well, peace out. Y'all have fun. Who, who, uh, what, what, which book are you saying it ends on? Oh, the Hebrew scriptures, I'm going with just the Malik. I mean, just 
the story overall. Like, I'm not even reference. I'm just saying we end. They enter back into the land. However, they fall back into idolatry. And it's never pretty much I'm just using the overall narrative arc. Does that make sense? Yeah, you're using a Christian narrative to interpret the Hebrew Bible. But the Hebrew Bible doesn't end with Malachi. The Hebrew Bible ends with Second Chronicles. Okay, so they go into exile. So we'll end it in exile then. The Second Chronicles. Which is not uncommon. It's been a pattern of behavior. Yeah. They finally got to be a state in 1950, 1947. Yeah, uh, yeah. well, so, so. So it's it's not on it's not that's not uncommon, but yeah, but no, I, that was my mistake. Thank you for calling me on that. Yes, they it ends with Second Chronicles, and if I'm not mistaken, Second Chronicles ends in exile. Correct? If I'm not mistaken, from my understanding, you are correct. Okay, so let's end it there. They're exiled. The end. That the Hebrew scriptures close. Well, hold on. Uh, to fulfill the resident, it's first year king completion of Lord, the mouth of Jeremiah, the Lord arose, the spirit of uh, Cyrus, the king of Persia, and he issued a proclamation throughout the kingdom and put it in writing, saying, So said Cyrus to the king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth has the Lord our God of heavens delivered to me, and he commanded me to build him a house. And no, they're not in exile. And he okay. commanded me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is Judea, who among you is all his people. And may the Lord, his God, be with you and he may ascend. So it ends on a good note. It doesn't end on a negative note. It doesn't end on them out. Now, I can okay. get that 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 thought if if we use the rearranged. Version of the Hebrew Bible that's within our Christian Bible. Right, that okay, leaves it so, at uh, Malachi. Right. Yeah, right? I'm pretty sure it's Malachi, if I'm not mistaken. Shall a man rob God? You know that one. Uh, uh, so, so it, but, it's, no, it's let's, not. Let's keep it. No, we can keep it with Second Corinthians, but let's just go overall arc. Just we know for a fact, though. Just we'll just. I'll just stop it. This I was trying to get too detailed, and I was getting away from my point, anyways. You were even grafted. That was your point. Yeah, the engrafted. So we're getting there. But so Hebrew Bible ends and all the promises of God are not fulfilled. According to who? According to, I mean, current. Mm. According, I mean, the rabbi agreed with me. So I could, the rabbi, how the interpretation okay. of rabbi, he <laughs> pretty much, I mean, the rabbi agreed. I mean, the I messianic not, prophecies. Messianic prophecies had not been fulfilled. Messianic hasn't been fulfilled, but like the, I mean, we could even go to, we never see the spirit of God come back to Israel. Who doesn't see that? The Old Testament scriptures. Are you sure? Because it seems like when they end, they not only have, they're going to build a temple in Jerusalem, but it says who among who among you is of all his people? May the Lord, his God, be with him, and he may ascend. Seems like it's a positive note. Yeah, I mean, okay. So if we want to go there, the it ends in a choice, though, because we've seen this before. We've seen them go into the land. We've seen great positive. The Torah ends. You're going to go into the land. And we see how terrible 
that goes where and they do not live up to their side of the covenant are you sure for of the torah or of am i sure of what that they don't live up to their covenant i mean they get exiled and god tells them this is because you were a whore <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's 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 what I read. <laughs> it says, "You hoard yourself among the nations, so I let you go." <laughs> God. I tried to sugarcoat, but that's the best way I can say it. I mean, he well, God straight up says it. He, well, he goes, "They're they're like with anybody, like with anybody." In any religion, there are people who keep it, who 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 live as righteously as as they possibly can. There are people who mess up because humans do mess up. So we're so 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 the premise of your argument is they acted human. Oh yeah, definitely. But and okay, here we go. Where I see the Old Testament end. And the Hebrew scriptures end. I'll just keep it there. Even in Second Corinthians, Chronicles. Chronicles. Not I'm looking at Second Corinthians because I was about to open it and I was about to read something. So that's no why worries. I was. <laughs> uh, those Second Chronicles. My bad. I kept saying the Corinthians. Chronicles. I have Second Corinthians open right now. Um, <laughs> but Second Chronicles, and. They're going back to the land. However, we know from the story they are human, and humans sin. And God gives the promise that I will circumcise your hearts so that you will be able to obey my laws. That is what he tells Israel, that you will have the ability to do so. God acknowledges the paradox of they are not ever going to do it. Moses straight up says it at the end of the Torah, you are not going to do this and you will be driven into a land that you do not know. However, God will visit you. God will come to you and redeem you and will circumcise your hearts. That's kind of a paraphrase of 20, Deuteronomy 20. 20, that's 27 through 30, 31, paraphrase, paraphrasing that he's acknowledging that they can't do it on their own. And we get to the end of the Hebrew Bible and God has yet to circumcise their hearts. How do you know? Because they still sinned at the end. I mean, they still were in, they still were being human. Well, so the circumcision, so is the circumcision of the heart make a person not act like a human? It might not be not like a human, but he promises the eradication of, I mean, we can go to Isaiah. If I'm not mistaken, and I could be, and I'm going to look it up here in a sec. Isaiah gives a picture where sin is defeated. And that's in, or we can just stick with Genesis, I know that for sure. We never see the snake's head crushed. How do you know? Because how? Because we, 
we we don't they god redeems them it, it, your argument circular there we don't see it because we don't see it because we that's we don't so that's kind of where i'm like <laughs> the only answer that i feel like that we receive in this is when jesus comes and faces the same exact temptations that the israelites did that's why he went into the desert and that's why he was offered bread from a and water from a rock and been and given the option of idolatry and bowing down to this figure of satan to receive exaltation so i just feel like there's a lot of question marks that I feel like that if we look at the story of the New Testament and Jesus even claims that, I mean, we can go to Isaiah 61. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 61 where Jesus reads it and then says, in your hearing, the scripture has been fulfilled. Because, so yeah, so let's just, so that's kind of my, it's a little circular and I see that. So help me see where Jesus doesn't put the period where all the question marks are. Well, I, I appreciate that. Now you, let's go, let's, I'll work in reverse. Cause the last thing you mentioned was the, 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 uh, uh, not the last thing, but the second to last thing you mentioned was the temptation in the desert. And you were trying to equate uh, Jesus temptation to the, to the temptations that the Israelites faced uh, within this, you know, within the desert. Right. But the problem with that sort of, an analogy is that God gave Israel 613 commandments. <laughs> if, if, if Jesus is to face the same thing that the Israelites faced in the desert and in their sort of history, right? Uh, it wouldn't be some 40 days in the desert where we've got like four different temptations. We've got, they've got 613 commandments. They have been, challenged and instructed to comport with 613 commandments. And how on earth do we think Jesus spending 40 days in the desert uh, facing four different recorded issues is tantamount to 613 tests and requirements? He's not tested in the same way, nor is he held to the same standard uh, in the desert as as the standards of the 613 commandments. But even if we count, even if we discard that argument, even if we discard that argument, our issue is, well, excuse, our issue, I believe, is that we are interpreting Hebrew scriptures in a American Christian view. We're not, when you ask, when you say something like uh, the, the, we has not, we have not seen the heel of the serpent be crushed. I ask you, did you look at the Jewish commentary on that? Have you looked at the Talmud on that? Have you, ha, have you looked at any of the rabbinic literature regarding the meaning of the crushing of the serpent's head? 
Yes. So the main Hebrew rabbinic literature would say we're in a constant battle between like the main one that I'm familiar with is it's pretty much our choice between following God's law and not that. Do you know who, which, 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 uh, uh, source you got that from? I'm trying to think it might have, let me look. Genesis three. Yeah, that might've been my, yeah, I'm trying to, and it might've just, that might've just been through my, that might've just been rabbis and here, I actually wrote it down here. Let me, he, yeah, it was through my conversation and I'm trying to see who with Rabbi Steve, are you familiar with a different view? Cause that's just my conversation of the, where he overviews kind of the tradition of that verse where it's not necessarily a certain power or Satan himself. It is simply that the ongoing battle in between snakes and humans and the snakes are kind of the, yeah. And then it leads to following God or not. Cause I mean, through the rest of the Torah, it's all about <laughs> if you follow the law, you'll have life. If not, you die. And that's the same consequences God gave to Adam and Eve, if they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that if you follow my word, cool. If not, you die. I understood. When I read the Talmud and Jewish commentary on that, and, and more, it's Rashi is the commentator. But when I read the Talmud regarding it, right, it it gives us to understand a a choice now between man that uh, uh, that the serpent no longer walks. It's a part of a serpent curse, right? The serpent is upright, but now he no his 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 legs are gone. So now he can only, you know, his 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 realm of influence is to interfere with the walk of humanity to cause them to stumble to cause right. them to error. So when they're walking upright, when the human is now walking upright, doing the right thing, they now have a a a, a battle with uh, uh, stumbling into something evil. The Christian view is that the serpent is the devil. Correct. Right? Yeah. But and when I wasn't you... trying to say that at all of what the Jew, that's, we were saying the same thing. I was going a different, I said it a different way that yes, Which, it is the ongoing temptation of falling in the evil. <laughs> yes. Right. But, but so, so when a person looks at, when we, when we consult the, the rabbis, when we consult the Talmud regarding Genesis three, right. They have a very different understanding of what that means. Satan is not even that really evil person. As a matter of fact, Satan in Judaism is a helper of God. He helps. Remember when he when when it, Satan is not banished where 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 he's in hell suffering or something like that, you know, uh uh God calls Satan to help. He says to Satan in Job, uh what are you doing? He said, "Well, I I'm just going to and fro throughout the earth. 
And he says, have you considered my servant Job? He says, he says, he, he said, you know what, Lord, I, <laughs> I would, there's a reason why he loves you. <laughs> if you remove that hedge, I think, I think I can cause him to stumble. And the Lord allows it. They have a very different view of Satan than Christians do. So anyway, if we go back to Genesis, a, a type and shadow hermeneutic forces us to believe that that serpent is the devil and that the person who crushes the devil's head is Jesus. It, it, there's nothing in Genesis that says that. Again, we got to just be realistic. Nothing in the Hebrew Bible. There's no no word, no translation, no 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 Hebrew word within the Hebrew Bible can be tortured to mean Jesus. We see Jesus in it because we want to, not because the text says. Let's take he let's take Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. You know, we preach this one good. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. Well, here's the problem. Jesus was healing before he was on the cross. So how could his stripes cause healing if he healed before he got the stripes? How could he be bruised for our iniquity and chastised for our peace if he was forgiving sins before he got up on that cross. How could he be handling our iniquities through all of those tortures if he was forgiving sin? Matthew tells us, Jesus, Jesus said, the son of man has power to forgive sin. And he told the man, they lowered down in that house. He said, thy sins are forgiven thee. So we read, see, if we, if, if we think, what's well, coming, I don't want to use the word think, as if we, if we think more critically, I should say, of the scriptures, then when we read Isaiah 53, it's not, it can't be a fulfillment of what Jesus did because Jesus were doing those things before he got up on that cross. And I guess my next question would be, then why did he get up on the cross? Well, um, that's a good question. I have an answer for you. And then I got to answer your question about being engrafted. Cause that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's an interesting statement. Paul wrote, well, I'm going to be a little critical as if I haven't been, right? But I would be a little critical. Why did he get on the cross? I think it's pretty clear why, all right? Here's why. Now we know Jesus didn't wanna be crucified. Matthew 26, 36 through 42 lets us know that he did not wanna be crucified. He asked the father three times, can you find another way, please? Is there any way this cup can pass? Can you do something different? And God apparently does not uh, oblige Jesus. However, let's be clear. Jesus broke several Jewish laws that required capital punishment. Uh, let's, let's look at, if we look at Matthew 15, 11 and Mark 7, 18 through 19, Jesus repudiated Jewish kosher, Levitical and Deuterocanical law. If we look at Matthew 10, 34 through 36 and 12, 46 through 50 and Luke 14 and 26, Jesus not only dishonored his parents, but he told those who desire to follow him that at times they would have to dishonor and even hate their parents for his namesake. 
It's even in that scripture. He says, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. That's why I like you. You'll say stuff no one else will. And then I say, <laughs> and I'll get looked at like I'm crazy. You just said, you, you, in, in short, I could have clipped that. I can post that on Twitter. You said, you said Jesus sinned. Well, I could, people could do that to me too. And I've been drilled for it. So I'm glad you're saying it. Okay. It's, it's John <laughs> 5, 8. See, when people say Jesus didn't sin, it's because they want to make him a lamb. Not that he is a lamb. But John 5, 18 says, for this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he, Jesus, breaking the Sabbath. John confessed in, in, in chapter 5, verse 18, that Jesus broke the Sabbath. I don't, uh, anyway, let me move on. So next, Jesus denigrated rabbis, Pharisees, scribes, and the Sanhedrin, who per the Torah were appointed by God. All you have to do is read Matthew 23, 13 to 39, and John 8, 44 to 45. And then the clincher, he declared his pre-Abrahamic and divine existence in John 5, 18 and 8, 58. This moved the Sanhedrin to prosecute him and sentence him to death. Now, the Sanhedrin at the time did not have the ability to, exe to, to, uh, uh, to execute a person. They had to seek permission from Rome because Rome had, co had control over Judea. But anyway, they do their trials and then they send their findings to the Roman authorities and the Roman authorities review. And if so, they end up prosecuting. Uh, I mean, they fulfill the uh, the um, the sentence. Uh, and so uh, if we read Deuteronomy 17, 8 through 13, that lets us know. Uh, the sentence, according to the Hebrew Bible, that is required of Jesus because of his sins. Even if we read the 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 the, the Babylonian Talmud in Sanhedrin forty three a, it tells us clearly what Jesus was tried for and what happened. Uh, the Babylon forty three a it says. Um, Jesus, on Passover Eve, they hung the corpse of Jesus the Nazarene after they killed him by way of stoning. And a crier went out before him for 40 days, publicly proclaiming, Jesus the Nazarene is going out to be stoned because he practiced sorcery, incited people to idol worship, and led the Jewish people astray. That's how, that's the reason why Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John said, and they were seeking an opportunity to kill him. Why? Because according to, to Jewish law, if you were going to, if that proceeding was going to be fulfilled, they had to send somebody out to try to get witnesses to determine whether or not this man needs to die. This, it was, it's a common practice. So anyway, and it says that Jesus is going, uh, yeah, because uh, I don't read that in practice sorcery, incited people to idol worship, blah, blah, blah. It says that anyone knows of a reason to acquit him should come forward and teach it on his behalf. And the court did not find a reason to acquit him. And so they stoned him and hung his corpse on Passover Eve. This is the Sanhedrin is the Jewish court. This is the Jewish court's record of the proceeding of their proceeding, their history, the historic record of their proceeding. So it's not that Jesus, when we somebody say, oh, he died and it's not a horrible death for you and me. Look, he, just like the other two criminals that he was hung in between, 
committed a law that required capital punishment, Jesus broke law, committed a crime, excuse me, broke the law that required capital punishment. Jesus broke laws that required capital punishment. He wasn't crucified by himself. He was crucified with other criminals. Jesus did. He broke the law. And even though he didn't break Roman law, he broke Jewish law. And it was enough to cause, to pass the 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 Roman review to have this man crucified. So that's what led him. I, and then somebody says, well, Jonathan, you study law, so you're going to look at it through a lawyer's point of view. Well, yeah. And I only just, not only did I read the scriptures plainly, but read the Jewish court record. There's a reason why he died. And he didn't die like crucifixion wasn't specific to Jesus. And he wasn't the only one who died by crucifixion or was crucified that day. It, 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 we over and grant, we grandize his, his death as if he didn't do the stuff that was required to get him killed. Right. So. No. So, okay. Then. <laughs> so, okay. So this is. So was it so he covers our so pretty much I'm trying to figure out how they answer this. I know what you're saying. I'm just trying to make it more clear. Um <laughs> uh no, that's all great. So I'll just go with the simple question. So if he deserved it, then why does Jesus get the rise from the dead? Because he's God. Okay, you're gonna have to give me more than he's God. Okay, so uh, God. Oh, oh, I gotta, oh, I, 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 when do I give you the same answer you gave me? He rose from the dead because he rose from the dead. <laughs> okay, no, he I'm rose kidding. from the Okay, so he's God. So why did, okay, here's, here, okay, that's, you actually set me up good there. So why does God get to break the law? Get to break, get to, why does Jesus get to break Jewish law? Well, if God is the God, I mean, so, Okay, I guess what, let's go with the simple. Let's go. I guess this is going to be about three steps here. Okay. So to make it clear, do you believe that the God of Israel is Jesus? Uh, uh, do I believe? Okay. Do I, Jonathan Brackett, let me just be clear, believe that Jesus is the God of Israel? That they share in the same identity. I'll, I'll, I'll give it. I believe that he claimed that he is he's the God that Israel served. When he said okay. before Abraham was I am, that really seems like he's saying he is the I am. Yes. Right. It it does it that, does that it, when it. he's you know when he says that 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 you know it I I I really believe he claims that I I, I really do. So it's hard for me to to. Um, to, and he's talking to Jewish people saying it's God, right? So they know God as uh, 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 Hashem, right? And so they, he is saying not only is he God, but he is his son, right? Which is, it's not as big a deal as people make it out to be, but he is equating himself to be God. And so I can't. I, that's his testimony. That's the record. That's what we have. So I can only point to the record. He 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 does claim to be the God that Israel served. Okay. So that 
So in that, mm -hmm. if he is the God that Israel served, then why doesn't he have the right? Okay, and this leads, why doesn't he have the right to engraft us into those people to make us a part of the family of God? Ah, oh, look at him. Look at him come with the, the right Old hook. Testament scriptures do apply. That, look, that's look a good way to walk into that. Right hook. Well, here's the thing. I won't argue that if God wants to add somebody, that God can add somebody. But you've got a point to where God said he added us. Because he didn't. Jesus never said that if you believe in me, I will add you into, the, into Israel. He never said that. He said, if you believe in me, you shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Paul the is the one. The kingdom of God is near. So he's used a good phrase of the, the kingdom of God. So if we get to become and those, he uses the language of getting to obtain the kingdom of God. Sure. We can step in there. So what so if where I'm seeing that, of course, is not, you know. So we're becoming one people. So I guess Ooh, it's the same. Who's question. becoming one people? The so if God's people, the God of Israel, as Jesus claims to be, mm. it has a kingdom, both Everyone, I mean, and then, okay, then whoever believes in him, so the Jewish people don't, okay, that's a bad way to ask that. So I know how, yeah. Um, <laughs> so hold on. Yeah, that was, I was about to walk in. I know the answer to that one. That, that was a bad way to ask that. So. <laughs> we can play it out. Uh, like. <laughs> no, I'm okay. I got it. I, I think, I think we can all go into that one easy. Um, so, yeah. So. I think I cut you off. Keep going, because it's the same exact question already asked. So, if Jesus has got to Israel, why can't he? He, like, I'm not why saying. Why doesn't it? Pretty, I know you're not. So, so, yeah, that's a bad way to ask it, too. They're pretty much. Why aren't we one family? That's a good way to ask it. Of If they did, event, why aren't we added into that history? Let's go that. So you have to believe in Jesus. He fulfills the law. Therefore, why doesn't the Old Testament? Why doesn't that law, why isn't that pretty much, why can I see Jesus in that? Or why is that a violation of what God would intend it to be now? Why can't the word of God change his own, what he already wrote down in it, as his intellect? I mean, that's pretty much the intellect in the, I forget the other two definitions of it. But if that is God's word to a certain people, why can't Jesus, being that God, expand the horizon of the audience what a what a that now that last iteration was beautifully worded now i am not saying nor would i believe that god cannot make cannot make uh, uh, you know, uh, say a word that would merge two people into one. I, I, I don't, I'm not saying that God can't do it. What I'm saying, however, is there's no record of him doing that. He never said he did that. He never said he did that. Paul said, oh, you're engrafted. Oh, you're, Jesus didn't say you were engrafted. 
He said, whosoever believeth in me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus never claimed, merciful heavens, to have engrafted or to merge the two people together. He never claimed to do that. And so, so does so it becomes a hypothetical question. Does God have the power to make two into one? Sure, if he's omnipotent, he can do almost anything he wants to do. Right? But did the 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 real question is, did he? And no record. Thankfully, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John out of no recollection of any of the gospel writers or their redactors, did Jesus say that he made two into one? Neither did he equate the kingdom of God as being Israel or being the children of Israel. He never, he never made those, those associations. We make those associations. The text never says that. We're trained through the type and shadow hermeneutic and through other rules of hermeneutical interpretation to read into someone else's book what is clearly not there and to make assumptions about our text that the text doesn't support. We just have to somehow believe it. We believe we're all one. Somebody asked me the other day, told me, said, said John, we, we engrafted. Paul said we engrafted. So if we in one, if we in the family, the scriptures apply to us. I said, did you ask the family? Because it's kind of simple. When you say, I'm a part of the Smith family, you should be able to go to the Smiths and ask, is Jonathan a part of your family? And then the Smiths would say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His, his mom and daddy and them, they was brackings. But, but you know, Jonathan, he's cool, so we adopted him. The Smiths should be able to attest to the fact that I'm a member of their family. Now, <laughs> when Paul says, oh, he engrafted you, go ask the Jew. <laughs> Did a belief in Jesus Christ make them an Israelite? Well, Paul was a Jew. He was one Jew. And Matthew was a Jew. And Matthew never said what Paul said. Okay, that's fair. All right. John but, was a Jew. And John never said what Paul said. But John, well, I guess that's going to be circumstantial on who you think wrote Revelation. But um, if John, if the same John wrote both the gospel and there is a lot of the uh, and then I guess you could also get me. Okay, let, I'll just let you set it up. Um, <laughs> You're doing real good, though. See, I'm going to tell you, I, 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 I love you. I, I appreciate you. You have a journey of truth that does not mind exploring itself. And 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 I think I I I think that's how God is going to use you. Uh, 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 for to make global impacts, and I appreciate I appreciate that. I appreciate how you stop and think and churn before you say something. It, it, it's it's not a skill found in many Christians, and especially not many Christian pastors uh, <laughs> or, or ex ministers or anything else like that. So uh, 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 so anyway, but but go ahead, work through it. I'm sorry I cut cut you no, off. You're good. No, to... thank you. No, this like I said, this has been. I mean, again, you being kind. And just giving your pure thoughts and actually thinking before you talk is also a very 
phenomenal skill of yours, which is how we're here because you just didn't say I was stupid. And that's where it normally ends with most comments that I get. So I was intrigued when I saw your first comment. <laughs> normally, if it's a comment of a question, I really hate the second comment. That's really where people really get to the name calling because when they realize I actually think through this stuff, they just watched a one minute video of what I thought. And I can't tell you every doctrine and every um, every little piece of it in a minute. And then they realize actually I've thought behind that one minute. Then they call me names at the second comment. Mm. Then when you commented back and it wasn't calling me names at the second comment, I was really intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, what I'm saying is the book of Revelation uh -oh. If it is written by the same John, gives a lot of the same imagery as Isaiah of Isaiah's New Jerusalem. Okay. So, why would there be such a close connection of imagery? Does that make sense? Yeah, and, and the answer is pretty simple to me. Uh, 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 first, let me say, it's sort of a well-known fact that the book of Revelation is pseudepigraphic. It's been in a, it's been a, it's, I think we were at 51% of scholarship that have agreed that, that Revelation is pseudepigraphic, meaning we don't know who wrote that book. And Correct. Yeah, I've and and it I, could yeah, just be anybody. right. But but here's you, there's an adage they teach in, in in law school and medical school. They said when you hear hoofbeats, when you hear hoofbeats, think horses, not zebras. Right? When I hear galloping, I think a horse is behind me. When I lived in New York, when I was going studying, uh, getting my uh, master's at NYU. I, I was surprised to hear a horse, but they have horses on patrol in New York, right? Yeah. And so when I hear the hoofbeats, I didn't think somebody was riding a zebra. I immediately, if I didn't see it and I smelt it or something, I thought horse, not zebra. In other words, think about the 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 what is the most reasonable and common occurrence, and that is typically what it is. All right. So because Isaiah was written and at the time translated in Greek. A person who writes after Isaiah and knows Isaiah can write something similar to Isaiah. It's notice what, what Matthew, even Matthew, he says, Jesus did this so that it might be fulfilled that uh, what the prophet Isaiah said, blah, 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 blah. What does that let us know? That lets us know that the writers either had access to a copy, like a, 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 some Greek copy, or they had memorized scriptures to a particular point where they could sort of reference that. So when a person writes a letter or a book like Revelations, after the existence of the book of Isaiah, think horses, not zebras. He could be writing something 
reading Isaiah and mirroring Isaiah. It doesn't have to be that, that he was his great prophet. Because let's let's just be honest. For Christians who don't like people doing drugs, I don't understand how we cleave to Revelation so so hard. Because when you when you get past the first, I don't know, seven chapters. It gets into an acid trip. I don't. I don't know if you've talked to people who've been on acid, but it sort of res, it sort of mirrors an acid trip. But anyway, to the point. So, how can Revelations mirror the imagery of Isaiah when Revelations is 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 written after Isaiah and Isaiah is accessible to literate people? Because you read Isaiah and then you wrote something after you read Isaiah. So pretty much you're questioning the credibility of Revelation. Not just me, but 51% yes, or more. I know, and 50, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No, that, I'm just making sure that's what I hear you saying, yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. So I guess my next question would be, so why does Matthew, so let's just stick with Gospels. Mm -hmm. Why does Matthew say, and he did this to fulfill Yada, 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 whichever multiple times he says it multiple times that he fulfilled, he did this in fulfillment of this. It's, it's, it's uh, the practical reason is he wanted that to mean that. Remember when Jesus said it was, remember when Jesus says in Luke chapter four, when he reads Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set at liberty them that are oppressed, right? To recover the sight of the blind. Remember that scripture? And he says, today that has been fulfilled in your... Jesus has no problem telling you when he believes the scripture has been fulfilled. Right. But Matthew says Jesus did this that it might be fulfilled, but no... no gospel writer said that Jesus said that he did it, that it might be fulfilled. So why does Matthew reference Isaiah? Because he hopes that he believes that Isaiah is speaking about Jesus. It's like this whole thing where he says, uh, uh, when he says he shall be called Emmanuel, it should be, be um, uh, that, that it be fulfilled that, uh, 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 what the prophet Isaiah had said, uh, uh, you know, uh, when it, when it, when he says, you know, and he, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Well, they didn't call Jesus Emmanuel. They called him Jesus. And Isaiah didn't say they would call him Jesus. They said they would call him Emmanuel. But Matthew wants that to somehow be the fulfillment of when they call Jesus, Jesus. That means that they're calling him Emmanuel. When the name uh, uh, Emmanuel does not mean, when the word Emmanuel does not mean the same as Jesus. Jesus means to save. Yeshua means to save. Emmanuel means God with us. So it's not the same thing. So Matthew, like Christians today, want Isaiah to have been speaking about Jesus. But it's not a one-to-one -one match, nor is it really matching. When you say he shall be called, then the name should be the same thing. Right? And when they say he shall be called Jonathan, but they call me David, then you might need to be looking for Jonathan. 
not assume that the person they call David is the one they reference as Jonathan. I mean, it's clear. All we got to do was read. Right. Okay. Then why does Jesus say it? So, I mean, Jesus, when John, I mean, we can just take, I mean, when he says it for Isaiah 61 or when John the Baptist comes and asks Jesus, hey, are you the one that oh. has been promised? Why does Jesus simply say, why does Jesus then quote some more scripture? Oh, did he give quote a, scripture? He gave an interpretation of it. I mean, did he? Okay. Elaborate let's, on let's that. Let's go. Let's go. Because because it's 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 uh uh it says are you are you the one, right? Or should we look for another? Uh that's uh Matthew chapter eleven, I think. All right. Uh so let me get here. Uh like he didn't say no, like he could just say oh, no. Yeah, okay. So 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 you see, you see, you see, it's like it's like you're married, right? Right. All right. And so did you propose to her or her to you? I proposed to her. All right. And what did she say? Um, she said yes. All right. And did she say the word yes? Um, eventually she cried first. She cried first. And then after crying, she said which words exactly? To the best of your recollection. But, I mean, it was a yes. It was something. It was it now, was a verbal confirmation. Yeah. If she if she said she's a verbal confirmation, all right. If she did not say yes, and she didn't say no, <laughs> you know where I'm going. That's why you're looking like that. <laughs> so I'm moving on. So she got the point. So anyway, we're at Matthew chapter eleven, <laughs> where. John is in, 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 in prison. And in, in verse two, it says, when John heard in prison that, now this Greek word does not say Messiah. It says Christos, but they translate it to Messiah. The right. word Messiah, the Greek, there's a different word for Messiah in Greek uh, that I can't pronounce right now. I can, uh, but anyway, it says what, what, what Christos was doing, what Christ was doing. He sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come, or, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered, go tell John that you, that John, what you hear and see, the blind see, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those with skin diseases are clean, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news preached to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. What scripture did he quote? I mean, you could, it would take a cut. I mean, kind of like what he did with, when the, what's the greatest commandment? And yeah, he but he actually the, quoted. Yeah, he did. Okay. Uh, I mean, it, he, he mashed two scriptures together. Where, 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 in, John, in Matthew 11, when he's answering the question about the... Uh, no, 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 no. I'm referencing something else. I'm not saying here. I'm saying that when I said, when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He mashed. He got, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The Shema does not say, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
you're 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 right about that. But what your argument is is because in a different place Jesus combined two different commandments that he could be combining multiple commandments here. But there's no indication that the Torah, the Tanakh says in any permutation of it that Jesus was citing. Plus, I believe because you're intelligent, you have a study Bible somewhere. And if your study Bible, if you go look in the in the in the in, it won't reference um, uh, a scripture because there's no scripture in the Tanakh that says this. The Messiah isn't supposed to be, according to, Ju to Jewish prophecy, the Messiah is not supposed to be this demagogue. The Messiah is supposed to be human, and so Jesus says, "Go tell John what." what you hear and see. What is that? The blind receive their sight. Didn't say the Messiah would do that. The lame walk. Those with skin diseases are clean. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The poor have the good news preached to them. The word gospel isn't mentioned in the Hebrew Bible at all, right? It, it, so there, he doesn't respond with scripture, nor does he say, I am, I am the Messiah. Well, gospel. Well, what I would say is gospel means good news, and then where does good? The main pinpoint of good news is going to be Isaiah. Blessed are the feet of those are the one who brings good news. Isaiah. Here, let me pull it. I I got it right here. I wrote it down earlier. Well, that's anybody who brings good news. It didn't say the, the blessed is the person who brings the good news of the gospel of salvation. Right. I mean, okay, no, you could go there. Uh, you're talking about Isaiah 52. Yes, 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 yes. Bless the feet. So, I mean, blessed are the, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who Saints. proclaim peace, who bring good tidings and proclaim salvation. Where do you see the word salvation? All right, I see. Oh, Who's, I who, say, go ahead and read, read, the, read the next, keep reading. Who say to, yeah, I was about, I was, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Mm. And this is supposed to be Jesus? I mean, I'm not saying that. I mean, if if Jesus is, I mean, okay, we'd have to go in the big chapter and we'd have to go verse by verse. So I don't want to pull this out. I, I haven't read the chapter lately. All right. It's all right. But, but, but I'm not saying it's post. If Jesus is king and he is God and he reigns above the earth, then again, I'm not saying this exact moment, but okay, that's not even, I'm not, I don't even want to go there. But where in the New Testament do we pull gospel from then? The good news. Well, we just, we, we call it a gospel. Uh, and, and it's okay that we call it that. And, I mean, that doesn't really, that really, it, it's, it's, it's not, sort of material. What I, I was 
uh, stating here is when we're trying to say that what we call the gospel, what we name the gospels, uh, from uh, what we name the gospels is not referenced within like the name Jesus, isn't referenced within the Hebrew Bible. We make these connections that aren't in the text. Like if we read the law the way we read the Hebrew Bible, we would lose our case every time because we're making assumptions, grave assumptions, big assumptions, large leaps in logic that aren't in the text. We want that text to, to say what it, we want it to say what we want it to say. We don't want it to say what Jewish people believe it says. We don't want it to say what its plain language says. We have not, going back to this engrafted thing, found any statement of Jesus where he is trying to, to assimilate the Jew into the Gentile or the Gentile into the Jew. He, we've got nothing in the text. We got Paul saying that, but not Jesus. We've got Paul saying that. And it seems to me that we should be really Focusing, if we call ourselves Christians and not Paulinianites, that Jesus's word should take precedent. And so if he says that Jesus engrafted us, where do we look to see that he did that at all? How could he get there? If we ask the Israelite, Israeli, are, is, a, is the Gentile Christian an Israelite or an Israeli? They would tell you no. Even their Brad, current laws tell you no. Well, I'd if, come back. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to expand upon that further, but I cannot. Okay, yeah. I, this is a question that's still on the same topic of it. Mm -hmm. If it was a Christianity was a Jewish sect. So just as there's Pharisees and Sadducees who believed differently, 2,000 years later, why couldn't this be a split in Jewish belief? Well, i tell you the truth. You're an intelligent fellow. So since you're intelligent, uh, we're going to go to Matthew 28, 19, but we're going to read the Greek. Well, I'll read, I will read the translation of the greek we'll say it like that yeah, that's good i haven't got the greek yet so I'm all right <laughs> so so now the first people the first people who to believe in jesus were predominantly jewish we all agree then that's fine there's no problem with that but then matthew 28 19 so, so, so the first people to believe in Jesus were Jewish, but that doesn't mean that because they were Jewish and believed in Jesus, that anyone who believes in Jesus must be Jewish or follow the Jewish religion. Right. Let's be clear. They crucified Jesus because le he wasn't following, <laughs> wasn't following Jewish law. He just right. wasn't. All right. So if we go to Matthew 18, I mean, not 18, but Matthew 28, 19, and we read the direct translation of the Greek. And I will just copy, and I'm going to paste this into the chat for you. 
you can have it. And you can see, I got some lovely Greek for you. It's beautiful. I bet it is. I, bet it, I, I, I will throw. I will go to the logos and I will look at this side by oh, side. Oh, you got that app too. That's wonderful. Oh <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, that it's, is. It says travel to disciple all the Gentiles, baptizing them toward or in the name, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That, that word ethno for Gentile, mean Gentile, it doesn't mean nation. It means Gentile. So it says travel to disciple all the Gentiles. Why is this important? Because when Jesus is getting ready to leave and he ascends, he gives them the great commission, as we would call it in, 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 in our theology. He gives them the great tradition, uh, commission. He tells them who to go talk to. When he uses the word for Gentile, that excludes the Jew. Because they have a word for Jews. They didn't use it there. They have a word for all, but they didn't, they didn't, they modified all by giving you the Greek word for Gentile. Because if it was to be all, travel to all, then you won't need the modifiers, the Gentile. So again, you can correct me here. I am I'm just using logos right now and I click because in the ESV there's the word all there so in the Greek is the word pas not there or panta it's there so that's did, the word so, all for all so all Gentiles but all the Gentiles because you see ta right right the so when we get G, the, we see the and then the next word for Gentile right Right. It modifies who all is or who all are, since all is plural. Right. So it's a modifier. The Gentiles. It did. It says, again, travel to disciple all the Gentiles. It didn't say all because if it was to all. You would not need the modifiers, okay. the Gentiles, because all we have to do like our Christian model puts us in service after service after service. And we, we you got 66 books that people are trying to read and understand and they're trying to live right. And then they got to go proselytize and they got to make a living and then they got to do all this other stuff that we don't have time to read clear, clearly, slowly, carefully, and critically. We don't. We don't spend the time to learn grammar because we, we people people have I think the average person has a disdain for grammar. <laughs> they they have a name for people who like grammar who we won't be using here. But uh, but the fact of the matter is, if we read carefully, slowly, and the and the and go to the text, right? If it was to everybody, you wouldn't need the the modifiers, the Gentiles, and it's just grammar. Right. Okay. So 
let's go to the opposite end. What would be your why in Jesus's earthly ministry does he almost avoid predominantly Gentile cities? Uh, you know what? That's a that's a that's I could have asked God to have you asked me a better question than that. <laughs> Do you realize when he sent out the 70 or the 72, depending on how somebody translates it, Jesus oversaw, Jesus himself oversaw any ministry to the Jew. And he said, hey, they came back and reported the, 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 the demons. Demons even obey, Lord. Jesus said, don't get excited. I saw Satan fall from heaven like light. Now, when he sends those people out to minister, Jesus himself oversaw the ministry to the Jew. And then when he ascends, he tells his followers, you need to disciple Gentiles. Would there not be because they needed that because there was racial bias, which we see in Peter later on, that he has to overcome? That who has to overcome? Peter. Who, who, what racial bias do you think Jesus is addressing? When he tells them go to the Gentile, he is making sure that there is, that they know that even though he was predominantly going mm -hmm. to the Jews, that, hey, you're going to pretty much saying you're going to have to break the law in this, which he tells in Acts, the Holy Spirit gives Peter the vision of the all of the um, unclean animals and says, don't make unclean what I've made clean. Like we see multiple times, like. And then we have the Judaizing conflict where. Like pretty much they're all Jews. Jews at the time were just inherently. I mean, for lack of a better term, almost, I mean, and their law kind of told them to, which that's a whole nother topic, be racist to the Gentiles. Just, I know there's a way better term for that, but I'm just pretty much black and white. You look and Jews are supposed to gather with Jews. And if you want to become a Jew, cool. You just better really become a Jew. <laughs> Well, I, I need to ask you, where does the Torah say that the Jews should not uh, interact with the Gentile? I mean, not interact, but um, like, like you couldn't marry outside. Like, I'm just you saying. You couldn't intermarry. Just, you're right. Yeah. Intermarry, like, but at Peter that kind of a level. Like, there's always a, hey, you're holy. They're not. Like, it's not like, hey, you have to hate them. So don't get what I'm not. Yeah, I don't mean to say that. But it's still a divide. And then we see that struggle in Peter in Acts. So I'm asking is pretty much Jesus just pushing them towards the Gentiles heavily, pretty much just so they have that firm from his mouth. Hey, don't forget them. Um. That's speculation, um, okay. and 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 I, I I I the thought is your thought is it's is uh, is is very deep. It's and I can appreciate it, but it's speculative 
because if we look at the text, the grammar, it doesn't give us an indication, except it doesn't give us an indication of God's, of Jesus' intent uh, there. It just tells them who to go to. That's fair. I broke my and it, I it broke, excludes. I broke a rule there. You caught me. That's why I like you. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. 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 It, it sounded smart, but you, you saw through it. So I, I like you. It, it sounded good, but you, you, you cut through it. So I like you. All right. No, I can. I can. It was speculative. I'll give you that. It's because here's the thing. If we want to see Jesus, it's to me from my, from my interaction with the Savior. If we want to see Jesus, we need to make him our focus and not everybody else's business. The church has been in everybody else's business from who you sleep with to who you talk to, to what you eat, to what you wear, to what services. We can't we can't let Catholics be Catholics and Protestants be Protestants. We can't let Baptists be Baptists and Pentecostal be Pentecostal, which Pentecostal is an oxymoron in the first place, because on the day of Pentecost, which was a, is a Jewish holiday, the Holy Spirit fell upon Jews. He didn't fall upon Gentiles. He fell upon Gentiles in Cornelius, in, in Cornelius' house uh, uh, in Acts 10. But anyway, let me move on. We can't, we in all- wait, 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 This helps us answer our question. What's the significance of that, though? What? Why does the Holy Spirit first fall, fall on Jews on the day of Pentecost? Well, let's just be clear. It, it, it makes it very clear in Acts chapter one, Jesus tells them, don't go anywhere. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. And you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost. I skipped a couple of verses, but anyway, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So they were in Jerusalem and they had just gathered for Passover. And, and at a day that they didn't, Imagine would be the day the Holy Ghost falls. The Holy Ghost falls on them because they're gathered together here at that day. But it was on Pentecost in Jerusalem where they were where they were celebrating 50 days after Passover. Just a Jew, not just, but a, a meaningful Jewish holiday. 50 days when the Lord had brought them out, right? Passover is the day when 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 he's he the the, the death angel kills the firstborn of the Egyptians and Pharaoh's like, you got, y'all got to, y'all got to get out of here. Right. And so when they celebrate 50 days after Passover, it shows, so they celebrate their, their liberation. And when I believe that God started giving them the law. So they're just following their Jewish culture and religion, celebrating Passover. And during that time, the Holy Ghost interrupts their celebration by falling upon them like tongues of fire, but he fell upon Jewish people on Pentecost. He didn't fall. He didn't fall on the, on Gentiles on Pentecost because they were. It was Jewish people celebrating Pentecost, and those folks that is with the apostles, I guess, if you want to call them that, at their turn, received the Holy Ghost. It's only till Acts ten that the Holy Ghost falls on the Gentile. And it confuses Peter because he said, I thought this was, I thought this was for us, but apparently God don't discriminate. He gave them the Holy Ghost just like he gave us. So, so anyhow, we won't, so I'm sorry. I, 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 so, so we are so busy trying to 
if I pick up, you know, where I left off, if we're so busy trying to mind somebody else's business that we won't ask Jesus, give me a revelation of you. Michael W. Smith made the song very popular. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Not the Hebrew Bible, not Isaiah, not Jeremiah, not the Tanakh, not the Torah, not Paul, not Peter, not Matthias, not uh, uh, Apollos. I want to see you. And and the moment we open up Isaiah, we have acted differently than our request. I want to see, let me calm down, because I'm about to have a a fit in here, because I feel his presence, and I've got to calm down. I want to see you, Jesus. The moment of when 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 Thomas sort of insulted Jesus, show us the Father then. When you see me, you see the Father. Jesus did not say, Lord, when I return, will they believe I'm the Messiah? He said, Will there be pistols? Will there be trust? Faith is what we try to call, uh, translate it to, but the Greek word is pistos, which means trust. He said, What Lord, he prays, Lord, I I want the world to believe that you sent me. He didn't say that you sent me to be the Messiah. He came to do a work. Anyway. And so when we want to see Jesus, and the moment we look somewhere else other than engaging Jesus, we have acted differently than the request. The Spirit of Holy Spirit is active today, and He, His assignment is to lead us into truth. And I pray that in my lifetime, we'll see the church let the Spirit do His job. That's good. Oh, that's. Nah, that's all good. I, I I like I like ending it there. That's we we kind of wrapped it up. We <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. I like that. No, that's good. I mean, hey, yeah. I'm just saying, yeah. Don't get what I'm not saying. I even in my, I mean, so give you. I grew up Pentecostal, so that was. <laughs> so I definitely have a which made me really dig in who the Holy Spirit was because I realized that this wasn't, I don't know who, uh, you know, that my church actually did a good job. It was when I went to the conference, like it, it so it was Assembly of God Church. Oh, Lord. When I'd go to the conferences and stuff, I'm like, I don't know who this is, but this ain't God the Father or this ain't Jesus. <laughs> if this dude's a part of them, then this, this, this he's way out of whack. He needs to find something. So, so yeah. So, <laughs> oh. so no, I can definitely agree. Yes, no, letting the Spirit do his job. And so in my scripture reading, even, and then, you know, we have differences. I'm always leaning on the Spirit. I always prayerfully read any part of scripture, whether whether it's the Hebrew Bible or the New Testament, I am always saying, "Hey, Holy Spirit, whatever you want, I'm 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 you." And then I'll, I mean, there's times I'm not reading, simply just listening. Mm. 
So don't get what I'm, yeah, so. I, I understand you. I understand yeah. what you're saying, and I and, and I haven't twisted. I don't I don't have a misconception. I, 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 well, of I just what you're saying, sure, yeah, just to but, anyone else too. Yeah, I just would have definitely make that clear. But no, that's all good. Letting the spirit do his job. So no, this was phenomenal. I mean, this, was, <laughs> this was a blast. I loved every moment of it. Thank so. you. I enjoyed it too. Thank you. No, I would definitely go again because I could go about. My wife's about to get off work and okay i had to go snag her i was supposed to get my car detailed today and they the guy apparently got fired or something he was supposed to come do it so she normally would have the car but i'm about to have to go snag her all right from the office but no this was phenomenal that no i I can't get over this this was good but um (laughs) brother i'll keep in touch this was good i mean just for just chatting and then i'm actually i might send you some stuff so actually i've been uh I've wrote one book and it's simply the B. So yeah, so it's uh, not out yet. It's not even edited yet. And I'm not, you know, I I try to be good at grammar. Um, (laughs) But I've sent out some feelers. Yeah, no, I'll send it your way. Just let you tell me your overall thoughts. Just see where I'm, where I might be making some assumptions that you've made me think through today and I'm going to dig in and then actually... Already, my second book is kind of on this after I talked with Rabbi, and he kind of told me the same thing that I have just kind of pointing out some bias and some assumptions. So, the next book of writing is going to be titled, you know, unless, you know, I, I encounter Holy Spirit leads me elsewhere with it, and I kind of discover a little bit more, and that changes my view. And then, just through study, Jesus as Messiah God. So I'm going through the Old Testament and I'm letting it as much as I'm I'm having oh, I'm making myself put a source source to to each thing I'm saying, but trying to go through and see what the Old Testament actually says and if Jesus actually fits the bill. Now are you using the Greek for the Old Testament or the No, New? no, no, when you when you try to when you try cuz you'll have to use the New Testament yes, in New order Testament, to well, Yes, I'm going to I mean, I'm going to use the and then Are again, you, this is this is where you're going to help me out too. I I'm going right. to I'm not even I'm I'm only in the notes stage right now. So I'm all right, all right. I'm, No, when I actually put something on the paper, I'm going to definitely No, I'm going to send it your way, but as much as I can, I mean, I have a basic a very I know about the alphabet. That's about all I know. So I mean, mm-hmm. the logos will definitely help on certain things. Then I mean, yeah, me and you, yeah, I'll definitely keep in touch with you. So perfect. So no, so I'm just gonna take a journey there, and if it leads me somewhere else, it's getting published either way. I'll just change the title. The <laughs> not make it. I'll just change the title and be like, all right, this is why I'm not. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, either way, it's getting published. Whatever. Uh, I'm just going on the journey and writing you. it down. Good for you. Uh, but man, this was a blast. Thank you so much. Spending two and a half hours with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been I've enjoyed it. You take care now. Yeah, you too, man. Bye. All right, bye-bye.